Hello, good morning, and welcome to Grace Presbyterian. I'm Pastor Ryan. This morning, we're going to be looking at how we can trust God in the middle of difficult circumstances. Thanks for listening. The things that would distract us from being sensitive to your Spirit's leading. And so, hear us this morning, God, for we come desiring to learn from you. And be present in our midst and speak to us. For the building up together of your church here on earth, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, when Micah was small, uh, we took the canoe out, and uh, there's a cave just off uh, the bank in Savannah Sound. And at this cave, uh, he he can stand up, and he's he's got his life vest on, and I'm there in the water, and I say, jump to me, and and what's the little kid do? They leap as if they're jumping off a cliff right into their daddy's arms, right? Have Have you as a parent had the opportunity to do that with your children? It happens when they're small. But something changed on this trip. He, uh, he thought he saw a crab. And he knew enough of crabs that they had pinchers that he started to freak out and he started to scream and squawk and uh, he didn't want to be in the water anymore. And the next time we put him up, I said, jump to me. And instead of seeing his dad as somebody who was able, as somebody who was strong, as somebody who would, wouldn't do a thing in the world to cause any harm to come to him, instead, he saw the waves. And instead, he saw what his imagination would produce that wasn't even there below the surface of the water. And what do you think? Did he jump? He he didn't jump. Not only did effectiveness for having fun cease because of fear, but the joy that's part of life disappeared because his eyes suddenly went on the things that caused him to be afraid. Church, this, this happens to us. How quickly and how easily do we focus on fear, the concern of self-preservation that would cause us to deny following where God would lead when all along He holds His arms out and says, it's okay, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to have you. And many times, that thing that we've been afraid of is the very thing that He would use to continue to mold us into the image of His Son. Many times the thing that we're most afraid of that we so desire to avoid is the instrument that He would use to craft us to become more like Him. It's like a flu shot. Who likes to get a flu shot? Get that needle away. Mm -mm. I don't... Anything but the needle. But sometimes that's the very best thing for you. I wrote down a couple of things that cause us Fear as we follow Him. Uh, I wrote this down. Our ability. Uh, I, get, I get any amens with that one. Sometimes we feel like, yeah, my ability is just not there. Nobody knows me better than me, and I know I'm not prepared to stand behind a pulpit. I know I'm not prepared to maybe pick up an instrument. I know I'm not prepared maybe to go to visitation. I know I'm not prepared. Because we think it depends on our ability. I wrote this down. Number two, the cost. Sometimes following Jesus following God where He wants you to go, it might cost you something. I know as a missionary it has cost me years where I could spend with my dad and with my family that have been sacrificed, but all to the glory of God. Maybe it's the consequences. Because I guarantee you this, you desire to follow God, you will not remain the same. You will change. There will be consequences. Sometimes we fear loss of control. That's a big one for me. Uh, I don't have the answers in my transition, in my departure from the ministry that I've been part of at Windermere. I didn't have it when I was at the training center knowing where I would go 
two in the mirror. I had to let go of control. And you know that's just a pretend thing anyways. Who in here is really in control of your life? You, you, are you deciding the breath you take next? All of it's given to you, but see, sometimes we think we've got control, and when we get, spend so much time thinking along that line, we don't want to let go, and we want to hold on. We fear it. Sometimes, I wrote this down, we fear the unknown. Boy, I, I just don't know, but, but what if? But, and we could do what ifs all day long as to what might happen. Maybe this is you. Uh, we fear what others may think about us. Um, can we give a round of applause for Oren real quickly? How great he did. I, I mean, he's not even in here, but we give God glory for that because, Brother Garth, I think we might have a little preacher in the making up here. Uh, admonition? He read that from the Word of God. Little, this little Oren we're talking about here. Look, you all need to encourage these, these children because standing up in front of people, even to pick up a microphone to sing a song, is something that, well, people might make fun of me because we're too afraid of what people think of us. Encourage these young people. I wrote this down. Lack of resources. I just don't have enough money. That tends to be the biggest one. I, I can't do it because i how, how, I got to pay the bills. It's not going to work. Church, I can tell you story after story after story of how I have seen God in my life show up in avenues that I didn't know were going to come. Now, I'm not the hallmark of faith standing before you, but in the few mustard seeds that I've planted... I testify this morning, God has been faithful every time to meet my need. I may look skinny to you, but I ain't never gone hungry. There has always been enough. There has always been provision. This is a tough one. We fear pain, hurt, or even conflict. Nobody likes conflict. And sometimes we might fail at doing what God it's telling us to do. Look, the Bible's clear on this. Before you come make your gift at the altar, if you know a brother has something against you, go to him and be reconciled and then come and make your offering at the altar. Unity before God is primary before you pretend to worship him. For how can you claim to worship God who you have not seen when you don't love your brother who you have? But that takes conflict and that might take pain and that might be hard. And we fear that. Now, the last thing I wrote down was lack. I, I fear lack. It, it means a change in where we're comfortable. I'm ready to preach, church. Are you ready for this? Because we're sitting in air conditioning on nice, comfy chairs right now. Comfort is something that we enjoy. And one of the very many reasons why we would fail to follow in obedience for what God is telling us is we don't want to let go of our nice little spot. That's my spot. We're afraid. The subject I want to try to tackle this morning is answering this question. How can we get back to completely trusting God in the storms of life? Storms are going to come. You know storms are coming, right? Hurricane season. What is it? Bonnie? Is that the one that just... Uh, if you watch the news, something just came up, right? Uh, th- this referendum, that's a kind of a storm. That, that's something that's showing up on your horizon, right? They're going to come, church. And the answer to storms in our life is not making sure that you look to your muscle and strength that you can handle it, but that your eyes are focused on Him. Because He has already made it through the storm. And so we look to God. How can we completely, that's my key word, completely trust God in the storms of life? Matthew chapter 14, that's what we're going to be. I invite you 
Turn there with me, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. It's a story you're familiar with. Jesus with his disciples talking to the crowd. He does something that we find reported in three out of four of the Gospels, identifying not only his divinity, his power, his omnipotence over nature, but also his very loving, tender kindness extended to his children. So, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. We're going to read through it, walk through it, and I have three points of conclusion than to leave you with application. So I want you I want I want you to listen closely for those three as we conclude. Matthew chapter fourteen, verse twenty two, reading out of the NIV. Matthew records, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw Him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Jesus, and then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But, verse 30, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out His hand and caught Him. You of little faith, He said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped Him, saying, Truly, You are the Son of God. This is our, our passage for this morning couple of things I want us to see from the text as this is a very familiar story to us, is the way in which Jesus has sort of set this up. Who thinks here that uh, Jesus knew what was going to happen? Like, Jesus knew that this was part of the plan, right? Um, he dismisses the disciples before he dismisses the crowd, but then he doesn't hustle down to the disciples. What's Jesus do? He decides to go have a little sweet hour of prayer, right? He, he decides to go off on his own, spend time with the Father. Uh, the Bible says in verse 24, he said, uh, it says when the boat was already, in the NIV, it says a considerable distance. If you have a King James, it says in the midst of the sea. You, you guys ever see the boats out on the horizon? Sometimes I'm looking and think, what is that? That's a, that's a speck out there, way out on the water. That's where the disciples were. I mean, I get impatient waiting for my family to get ready to go. But I don't take off a considerable distance. Those disciples, they pulled anchor and went. And Jesus is stuck on the shore as he continued to wait. And so the situation we find ourselves in is a... I mean, he can't swim. He can't catch a ferry. Considerable distance. Have you ever felt like God was far from you? You you ever ever have a week like that where you just had 
man, I'm off this week. I feel like God's distant. I, I, you know, I need to get to church. One thing I need to do. I need to get in my Bible again. But the, the worries of life, the cares of life hit you and you just feel like you're separated. How are you ever going to get connected again? Not, not only is distance separating them, but look at this. Time is separating them. Verse 25 says, um, during the fourth watch of the night. So uh, they would divide uh, the day in two halves. Uh, we, we know uh, Jewish tradition, right? If you look in Genesis, there was evening and there was morning, right? So 12 hours to one, 12 hours to the next. And in the night, they would divide those 12 hours into uh, uh, four sets of three. So they had the first watch, the second, the third, and the fourth. And the fourth watch happens from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So that, that's the time period. Now, question, did Jesus have time to get going before this? Yeah. He had from midnight till 3 a.m. He had from 9 till midnight. And he had from 6 to 9. But he didn't go in the first watch. He didn't go in the second watch. He didn't go in the third watch. Why do you think this is? It's recorded in the Bible. This happened. Have you ever been in a storm of life? Don't you wish you could get out of it just like that? And sometimes, and I know this is true in my life, that it's not until I get through the storm and I look back and I say, you know, I don't want to go through that again, but I wouldn't change it if I could go back in time. I wouldn't do it differently because part of the growth that I have seen has been pressed through the challenge of going through the storm. Jesus knew the winds were there. He could have, with a word, quieted them by watch one, but He doesn't. He could have, with a, a spoken whisper, caused the waves to calm down by watch two, but He doesn't. He could have, with the snap of His fingers, caused the winds to halt by watch three, but He doesn't move through the night. He doesn't move. Instead, you can picture in your mind, you've got the disciples at the oars, and they're fighting the waves, and they're fighting the boat. They start from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. through midnight to 3 in the morning. Have you ever been there before? you ever been through a storm in life and you feel like you need to get out of it? Not only are they separated by distance, but they're also separated from Jesus by time. Verse 26 records their impression when they see Jesus, for He's walking on the water. How many people have seen someone walk on the water? No hands go up. Now, uh, I know... Uh, Brother Turner here comes from Canada, and the lakes freeze over in Canada and where I come from in Wisconsin. So we go ice fishing. That's the closest I've ever been to walking on water is ice fishing. If the seas froze over, you all would know what I'm talking about. But that's as close as I've ever gotten. What do they think Jesus is? They see him because they understand it is impossible to what? Walk on water. So this can't be Jesus. Because that's impossible. you got to find another explanation for it because people don't walk on water. I, don't, I didn't expect that to happen. Like If I'm sitting in the boat, I'm not going to expect Jesus to come walking on the water because people don't walk on water. Check this, church. What's impossible for man? Boy, that's, that's not a thing for God. And I don't know what you might be facing today, but hopefully the solution to it would look impossible for you. 
But that's not a thing for God. That is not a thing for God at all. For what's impossible for man is not impossible for God. But look, see, the disciples didn't have the faith to see this yet. If they saw God as being able to do the impossible, they would have looked and they would have said, Oh man, bro, it's okay. That's Jesus. That's my, that's my boy walking on the water right now. But they don't. They look and they're like, it's got to be a ghost. It's got to be a ghost. And Jesus comes in their fear because this freaks them out all the more. And in verse 27, there's a chiastic structure. It means there's a pointing to the middle. I want you to see this in verse 27. Jesus says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. The first statement and the last statement are the same kind of statement. Take courage. Uh, your Bible says what? Be of good yeah, don't don't freak out is probably the way I would say it. And then at the end he says, do not be afraid. He says the same thing at the beginning as he says at the end, and both of those statements point to the middle. What's he say in the middle? It is I. It is I. Church, wherever you find yourself, if God is with you, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear at all. The, the key to verse 27, the rich truth, the root of the command to not be afraid, does not come because the, Jesus knows the boat's going to be alright. That's got an outboard motor on that puppy. You'll be fine. No problem. Or Jesus knows that we're, we're going to reach shore soon. Uh, he doesn't comfort them with that. He doesn't say, I'm Olympic trained, fellas. I, I, I'll take care of things. Instead, he says, I'm with you. I'm with you. And because I'm with you, you can be of good cheer. You don't need to be afraid. Everybody see that? That's really important. That The centerpiece of what Jesus has to say with uh, this command uh, revolves around him being near them. Uh, verse 28, Peter wants to be near Jesus. Right? All right, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Um, I've got to say, church, this needs to be our response as well. If Jesus is on the water, where should you be? Man, I want to be on the water. Even if that looks impossible for me, because I want to be where Jesus is. I want to be where He is. I don't care where that is. It's with Him, and that's where I want to be. And so Peter models that for us. Jesus' single command in verse 29 is one word. What's it say in your Bible? One word. What's it take for you? That's all it took for Peter. How many times has God had to tell me something? This is what you ought to do. This is what you should need to be doing. The Word of God I'm reading, the Spirit's convicting my heart. Man, you really should be doing this. You really should work on this part of your life. You really should be doing How many times before I decide to obey? What about you? How many times? Because all it took was one word. Look what Jesus said. Come. We know from John's Gospel, He says, My sheep know my voice. Right? And when God is speaking to you, it's not a question of, is He loud enough? It's a question of, are you listening? So He says, come. That's all it takes. Peter gets out of the boat. Now, do you guys know Peter's name? It's a nickname. His real name is, what, Simon. That's his real name. But he got instead this name, uh, Petros. It's a Greek word that means... Rocky. You guys seen the movie Rocky? Right? Yeah. Okay, if you've not seen the movie Rocky, you know, it's this idea. You can imagine somebody, Rocky, right? Peter's this tough fisherman man, right? Man, that's Rocky. Oh, I thought I thought that was Simon. No, man, we call him Rocky. 
How many people have ever seen a rock float on the water? Because that's what you're about to see. You got a rock floating. I don't know if you knew that miracle was in the Bible. That a rock can float on the water. But this is what happens. As Peter looks to Jesus, he places his foot on liquid, and unlike a rock that sinks, Peter floats on the surface of the water. And here we have a rock floating on the water. Verse 30 is where the rubber meets the road, though, because the wind suddenly whips through his hair. Uh, my Bible says he saw the wind, but he, re- he really didn't see the wind. What did he see? He saw the storm is what he saw. And he saw his own inability in the storm. And he took his eyes off of Jesus. And Jesus' ability and Jesus' word, because what was Jesus' word? What was Jesus' word? One word. Come. Brother Yates already shared it with us this morning. It's the same message that comes from the end of the Gospel of Matthew. The same message that's given to Joshua. Be strong and courageous for I am with you always. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And yet Peter doesn't believe this anymore. Because Peter is overcome by the weather. It's a little fitting that we just got some weather as I'm preaching this too, right? That just means I preach longer because it's raining, right? I didn't hear any amens. All right, we'll keep it quick. That's okay. All right, verse 31. Uh, After he says, save me, Jesus immediately catches him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? He was there all along. Lastly, I want you to see in verse 32 that it's not until Jesus reaches the boat that the wind dies down. Sometimes, for God to get us where He wants us to be, we need to go through the storm and we need to wait in the storm until we see Him with us. Now, we don't know this to be true. The story doesn't record it. But I kind of wonder, what if Jesus was kind of walking on the water all along? You know, through the watches of the night. What if He was there? Because we know in, in His omnipresence, there is nothing that can separate you from God. And Jesus, though being wrapped in flesh, is not limited by space. Right? Remember in the upper room, doors are closed and Jesus is in their midst. Remember the, um, the centurion who wants his daughter healed? And Jesus says he's way far away. But the centurion says, look, I say something and it's done. Same with you. Jesus isn't there and he's healed because Jesus doesn't find a limitation to space. He can be anywhere. He could be walking on the water. And yet, the disciples had to wait. And it's not till verse 32 that the wind dies down. And look immediately at the response. And this must be our response through the storms of our life. That it's not until our faith is tested that we have a word of worship on our tongue to see He who meets our needs to be faithful. He was there. And look what they say. Truly, you are the Son of God. Folks, they wouldn't have said that had they not struggled through the storm. They would not have this word of praise on their lips had it not been through the difficulty. And the challenge of their faith to be seen in it is the same as Peter, where he walked out onto the water and yet found himself failing, and Jesus was still right there to grab him. This is the truth that will be played out in your life and in mine as we seek to follow Him by faith. Three conclusions and we'll be done. First is this. Fellowship gives a firm foundation. That's the first. That's the way I phrase it. Fellowship gives a firm 
foundation. Um, I, I, we might splash in a puddle on our way out. I guarantee you nobody's walking on water. I mean, you don't have the faith to walk on water. That's okay, though. But Peter had a firm foundation for his foot when he stepped out of the boat. When we stepped out of the boat. And it was because Jesus was in his fellowship that Jesus was there. The very first thing that we need to see in conclusion for this is that courage for us is found only where God is found. And so if He moves, Lord, help me to move with Him. If I spot Him off to the left, Lord, help me go to the left. If I spot Him straight down the middle, I'm walking straight down the middle. But wherever God is, that's where I want to be because I don't want to be sinking on the the waves and the storms of life. I want a firm foundation. And that is found through fellowship with Him. Now, I could go a lot longer to preach on that one conclusion, but let me say just this one single thing. The Bible says that when there's sin in your life, he who confesses his sin will find God to be faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. And it is sin in our life, whether that's something that's happening in your head or whether that's something that's happening with your hands or your mouth, where you find sin as a reality in your life, it will break your fellowship with God. So you want to have a firm foundation? You've got to come back to fellowship. Confession, church. Confession is where that begins. I'm always thankful for this church that we celebrate the Lord's Supper every Sunday because I don't know about you, but I need it every Sunday. I, I, I need to have the moment where I say, God, I need to be reminded again that my sins aren't mine anymore. And I'll tell you, I can't drink that cup fast enough. Brother Yates says, this is a cup of the new covenant. I just want to go, give me that new covenant right away because i got to have that reminder. i got to confess because i got to be where Jesus is. I need a firm foundation. Here's my second conclusion. Failure reveals His grace. Failure reveals His grace. Do you know it's okay to fail? It's okay to fail. Um, I used to have boys uh, that tried to play basketball at the school, and we would go to Central, and they say, "I'm playing." <laughs> I say, "They say we're going to lose if we play. We're not going to win." I'll say, "You're not going to win unless you play." But they say, "If we play, we're going to fail." And so, rather than fail, they don't want to try at all. You've already lost unless you try, and it is okay to fail singularly for the believer, because when you fail, guess what? Who catches us? It's interesting. Um, when Peter got out of the boat, was it Peter that was keeping himself afloat, or was it Jesus? Who was the one that was really doing the work? It was Jesus. Now, tr- trace this a little bit more, because Peter starts to sink. Whose fault is that? Don't don't think I want to blame Jesus for that. It it is Peter for this, but Jesus allows it to happen. Jesus allows it to happen for this reason. Because in Peter's failure, what comes out of his lips? As As he followed in obedience and then went to his own strength, did you see what comes out of his lips? Look again in your Bible. It says, verse 30, Lord, save me. Have you been there before? I pray, church, you've been to the foot of the cross to say, Lord, save me. Because if this is your first time hearing that message, i got good news, you'd be saved today if you cry out to Him. And the rest of us who are saved, we got to quit trying to rely on our own strength 
And instead, continually see He's the one that saves. Because the devil wants to come and he wants to sing a song over you. Oh, you're cursed. Because cursed are those who can't abide. And I want to say, so what, devil? I'm cursed. So what? You forgot the main verse to that song. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. So our failure reveals His grace. Our failure reveals His grace. He won't let you fall. He loves to hear the cry from you to save you. And God is not hindered to you by distance. He's not hindered by your perception. He can walk on the water. And He's right there ready to catch you. And that is His grace. That is His grace. Peter didn't earn it. right? Uh, Peter didn't have a get out of jail free card in his pocket to, to make sure someone... There's nothing Peter could do but sink because that's what rocks do. They sink. But it was grace that reached out. Immediately. Do you say the Bible says immediately? I hope you got immediately in verse 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out His hand. If you don't have immediately, write that in your Bible. Immediately, He reached out His hand because that's the truth that would be present in your life. Immediately, God will be there for you. Alright, number one, fellowship gives a firm foundation. Number two, failure reveals His grace. And lastly, number three, faith frees and fear focuses. Faith is freeing. And fear focuses. Here's what I want you to see with this. Jesus says, fear not. What was Peter's profession? He's a, he's a fisherman. So, so he knows where you keep... The, the live bait, he knows where you keep the hooks. He knows that the boat kind of goes to port side when it hits a wave just right. He knows that it's got that little tiny leak over there. He is comfortable in the boat. That's the place where he has his security. He's a fisherman. This is what he does for a living. This is where he got all his tools. The place where Peter can really shine, man, Jesus, watch what I can do. I mean, he is a fisherman. This is where he feels secure. This is where he feels comfortable. But Jesus doesn't call him to stay in the boat. Jesus calls him out of his comfort zone. And faith was the freedom that allows his foot to step on the water. Faith is freeing. Now, I want you to see what fear does, because fear is something that God uses in our life as well. Because when he saw the waves, fear started to build into his heart. And as it did, it focused him back to who? I don't know what you're facing today. But as you see the lack in your ability and fear brings its way to your doorstep, my prayer is that you will look to Jesus. And that fear would focus you again. Because you know where we find fear showing up? It comes when we try to be doing things our own way again. And we need to be refocused again to look to God. And again to have that freedom to say, Lord, here I come. Like the trust fall. You guys know what a trust fall is? You get people behind you and you just go backwards like this. And they catch you. He's there all along. Now, do you ever see someone do the trust fall and pull one of these? Like... Right? Now, I'm going to catch you. All right. You sure? I mean, they, they keep looking back. That's not faith. That person's restricted. That person's a slave to the fear. You know what freedom does? Man, I'm in! And yeah, you just go down, right? I'm all in. And you have freedom 
There was a time when my little boy would jump off the cliff into my arms. Didn't have a fear in the world. He was free. He knew Daddy would catch him. He had joy. He would laugh. He would splash. I could put him up even higher. He didn't care. I'm going to jump because Daddy's going to catch me. But when his eye saw the crab that he thought he saw, when his eye saw the waves, he couldn't jump anymore. He couldn't jump. Walking on water means, means facing your fears and not choosing to let fear control your destiny. Walking on water means embracing the unique calling that God's placed on your life. And walking on water means watching the power of God do that which you wouldn't be capable of doing on your own. I just want to leave you with a couple of questions. I don't want to get specific with my application on this. Instead, my hope is that you would think through this in your own life. That you allow the Holy Spirit to apply this because I believe He gave me this message for you. And each of you is in a different place of life where you've got to apply this. So here's a couple of questions. Number one, are you where God wants you to be? Right now in your life, are you where God wants you to be? Or has fear taken control to keep you... I might lose control. The unknown, what all the others think about me. There's a cost to pay. I don't have the ability. My next question is this. What boat are you hiding in? Where could you identify in your life your level of comfort? Oh, I got this. This is my zone right here. No problem. I don't need God's help with this. That's what Peter could say while he was in the boat. Not when he stepped out. So my question to you is, what's your boat? Would you be hiding in it away from the waves? Thinking that you're safe there? I have seen over the last months when I've been transitioning to go back to the United States that God knows what He's doing. I don't have a clue what I'm doing except trying to follow where He's leading to take care of my daddy and my mom. Because I believe that's what is right. But I don't know what to do. And I'm seeing the school that I love being taken care of. I, I frankly wanted to come back and have it all falling apart and, and people crying, Brother Ryan, we wish you were here. But no, they're doing fine, man. They're doing good. There's already things that are, frankly, a little better now that other people are doing them instead of me. I hate to confess that, but see, God's got it. And I'm walking back home, and I have found, though the church that I grew up in really hasn't opened an invitation for me to come. Another church down the road is like, how do we open the doors wide enough, Brother Flunker? Come in. They let me preach all the time. And God is making a path for my family. I didn't hide in my boat. And I'm not perfect with this church, but i got to throw the question back to you. Where is your level of comfort, and are you content to stay there? How about this? Where do you turn when you're slipping, sinking, or struggling? Where do you turn? First word on Peter's mouth was, Lord, save me. I'm not always there. Sometimes I'm like, uh, okay, let me do I, I can do this now. I'm strong now. I've been a Christian a long time. I don't need God's help. Uh, I need God's help. Where do you turn to? Right away. Right away. Do you know that's the question of maturity in the Christian's life? One way to gauge how grown you are, how ripe you are, is to find out how quickly you turn right back to Him and you cry out to Him. Peter gave us the right example this morning. Lastly of this, what area of your life are you experiencing God's power? Where in your life are you experiencing God's power?
Because it's a sad thing to go through this life just seeing your own power. And church, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to step out of the boat. You will never walk on water unless you get out of the boat. And I want you to completely trust Him in the storms of life. Whatever it is that you'll be facing, you remember that there's nothing that separates you from God's love. Not even water, not time, not the physical things of this world, not the things that we think are impossible. None of that's impossible for God. And I believe that God would long to have a church that so trusted Him that we'd be willing to do bold, amazing things. Not because we got the ability or the security, but that we know He does. And He will help you to walk on water. you got to get out of the boat. Amen? Alright, let's pray God helps us. Father, we thank You for Your Word and the example that came from good old Rocky. I pray, God, that You will have each of us to be convicted to trust You. That we're not going to try to fix situations on our own power, but we will willingly surrender our comfort zones to be placed in a position of being used by you for the building of your kingdom on